Hi, and welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. This week, with Dr. Samantha Lynch. Often in conversations with graduate researchers, I hear something I even might have said or thought at a certain point, which is, don't talk to me about pitching and about selling myself. Well, coming from the retail and marketing sector, Sam showed me that personal branding and selling your profile is actually an integral aspect of the academic career development journey and not exclusive to the private sector. Before going on with the interview, I just want to let you know that there were a bunch of technical issues during my call with Samantha and I want to thank her for being a champ and for holding the fort while my internet was down. And now for the interview. I think the key thing is your personal brand, so it is a marketing term, branding. I think the thing is, it's it's giving you a voice and feeling that you have some sense of control over your academic future, your career, whether it's having a website or your LinkedIn profile, you get to own that and you get to curate what it is about you, your personality, your ideas, your thinking, your intellect. You have a voice to communicate that and you've got to do what suits your comfort level. But I think particularly in the academic space, everything we do is subject to review, to criticism. This is something where you've, you've got your own space to say what you want and to showcase what you, you're passionate about. Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. Welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. Today, I have the pleasure of having with me Dr. Samantha, or Sam, Lynch. Hi, everyone. Hi. It's going to be a different conversation in terms of uh, Samantha's journey, but uh, she's going to have also uh, things to share that any one of you listening will be able to uh, to take some some home some take home message from. Um, but uh, but let me introduce her first. So, as a marketer and researcher by trade, and later as an academic, Sam Lynch works with businesses, agencies, and independent consultants to deliver fashion consumer behavior research. Sam obtained her master's in international fashion retailing and PhD from the University of Manchester in the UK. Her PhD examined the stages of the omnichannel consumer decision-making journey for fashion. Translating her knowledge into academia, Dr. Sam has worked as a university head of department with responsibility for examining, validating, and delivering graduate and undergraduate fashion education. Passionate about knowledge exchange, Sam has overseen and delivered partnerships with industry, through fashion sponsorship events, working with graduate students in industry through her venture FS Fashion Smart, and independently through her Work Smarter Consultancy. Sam is also an advocate and mentor for early career academics. Welcome to Papa PhD, Sam. Thanks, David. Thanks for the introduction. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm super, super happy to, to have you here. And uh, we, we'll, we'll stick with Sam. Is that okay with you? 
that's cool with me. Let's keep it, keep it, keep it real. <laughs> so, in the intro that I that I uh, just gave, of course, the, now I kind of gave the 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 hint of what type of research you do. Mm-hmm. But the domain of research, uh, you know, I, I did, you know, I did my PhD in cell biology. I've had people here from okay. different hard science, social sciences. Uh, but this is this is quite different. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your uh, your journey from uh, you know actually university, you know, mm-hmm. then masters, then PhD? How that transpired? Yeah, definitely, and. Yeah, a shout out to any, if there's any fashion researchers listening today. Um, so it's quite, I'll, I'll keep it, I'll bring you the highlights and some of the lowlights uh, that brought me to my journey. So I started out uh, doing my undergraduate degree, as we all do, not sure what I wanted to do and explored business and marketing because I thought it gives me a broad range of things to try and it's really flexible as a kind of subject discipline or a mixture of disciplines and really enjoyed the degree and went out to industry. I was very focused on getting a job. I was certainly mm-hmm. not the perfect student or a A-star student by any means and did really well in industry, really enjoyed it. Um, very much marketing focused to all of those in the roles that I had spanning lots of different sectors. So I started out in a plastics manufacturing business. It was, it's a tough market to get a mm-hmm. grad job and it ended up that business gave me lots of opportunities uh, to work in Europe and to meet some really cool uh, companies in automotive and aerospace that I just couldn't have dreamt of. And I think I got to a point, probably I think it was around 28, 29 doing lots of marketing I think I was in professional services at that point and I thought okay "Okay, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life and I thought I'd love to combine my passion for marketing and combine that with fashion and retail which I absolutely love and went to do a master's so shout out to the University of Manchester because that's where the bulk of this story starts and had a really wonderful professor there, uh, Professor Liz Barnes, who really supported me and mentored me in my dissertation journey at that point. Uh, That was focused on cognitive dissonance, so again, decision-making to do with fashion. And she approached me and said, would you think about doing a PhD? And I was like, oh, a bit left field. And I thought, actually, this would be an amazing thing to do. So it ended up, I was actually going for a job in fashion at this point in retail and on the same um day I got offered the PhD so oh, wow. I had to make one of those <laughs> yeah yeah oh, totally yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a van ready to move my stuff to London all packed up and I thought actually what's going to matter here in 10 years time and I thought I'll take the PhD I had some funding from the university to pay my fees, but I had to keep working to live, as many of us have to. So it was really, uh, it was a tough call giving up a a really exciting job in merchandising for a UK retailer. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought it's worth, let's take the risk, see what happens. I can always come back to the, the job. And luckily the employer was really supportive and said, look, give it a try. It doesn't work out. You 
you can always reach out to us again and mm-hmm. and that's where it all started and that led mm-hmm. on to academia and consultancy and my mentoring of academics and my fashion smart business so yeah a bit of a curveball career shall we say and actually now that you mentioned these things that you do and uh, that we're at the 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 top of the of the interview if people yeah. want to you know reach reach out to you or or you know uh, see see what you do in either of these initiatives what's the best way to reach you and to find uh, your your platforms so easiest thing is the label there so head to www.drsamlynch.co.uk so you can find all the different bits about me and you can also visit my other brand website fashionsmart.co.uk or just hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dr. Sam Lynch. Excellent. Um, now, I'm curious about some some elements. So, your, of course, your journey, like you said, you you worked first and then decided to go do the masters. Were you? Did you keep connections with industry and and uh, with colleagues as you were in in graduate school doing your masters? And same thing during the PhD. Yeah, absolutely. So th- my my previous colleagues were not in fashion. Uh, I did work in retail for a period. So I obviously that really supported me through my master's. So luckily mm-hmm. I got to work in retail um, while I was doing my graduate studies. But absolutely, um, one of my old directors wrote a really kind statement to help me apply for my master's. And I reached out to my old professor um sorry lecturer from my undergraduate days to say could you help me write oh just lost your audio there you're saying you reached out to your professor uh mm-hmm. from uh, from your bachelor's uh mm-hmm. so, but but w- what i was getting at so you also said that you were working throughout your phd and that's not an experience that all phds go through in in my domain in in and in in like hard sciences often mm-hmm. well you have a scholarship that covers mm-hmm. and that the, you know the system expects that your full time job is the being at the lab have you know taking care of the mice or rats or whatever experiments yeah i'm curious if you can um you know for people who are listening and might be interested in following up something like you did um what does that look like how does how do you make it work even though mm-hmm. you have some of the the tuitions as i understood paid how yeah how how's the mechanics of of all of it so the mechanics are i'm speaking from the other side so if you are someone that's listening who's doing your phd and working i really i'm they're cheering you on uh it's a really tough tough route to take uh, i'll be really candid about that so my ph going back to my phd it covered my fees so my scholarship so i'm i'll always be in, in debt to manchester for that for that that belief in me to do the phd but obviously on top of that i had to live you got to eat pay bills all the practicalities of life so my phd consisted of i started out full time and then worked evenings and weekends and partly during the day so i was working full time hours and doing a full time phd and i did that for about a year and a half two years and then it was like i switched to doing the phd part time so i could just have a bit more breathing room but essentially looking at it my i did it all basically doing a full time job and doing a full time phd i had a few jobs actually 
So I worked for a retailer, um, worked evenings, weekends, and some days for them. I also worked as a warden, uh, sorry, a hall monitor in halls of residence. So I used to work night shift, shutting down parties on campuses. But it was great. I met some really lovely friends who are in the same position as me. It gave me a little bit more time to do my PhD, but I was pretty tired from from the process. But I think actually, in hindsight, it's made me so much more efficient um, now as an academic. So I think actually in the long run, it's a real benefit. Of course. No, I, I can see how how you can be strengthened by the experience. Now, the question I, I'm, I'm wondering is... Uh, and all of that, I'm thinking of uh, you know staying healthy, mental health, physical health. Mm -hmm. But I guess you were active, so physical health you probably you know you kept f fit by just by doing all you were doing. <laughs> um, but also, I'm thinking how was what was the what was the take of your supervisor towards that? Like, what were the expectations? What were maybe conversations you've had to have yeah. with them? To kind of tell them, look, this is this is how I'm gonna make ends meet, and this is how I'm gonna I'm gonna reach my goals. But also say I'm committed to uh, to doing this PhD. And um, how do you negotiate that? Do you could you have more time to do it? So it, I think the key thing, and I would say this is particularly when you're doing a PhD, was. I was lucky in the fact I found someone that I really wanted to work with. And I mm -hmm. think having done my master's with the same person, with Professor Barnes, it was, there was a really good respect for one another. And she was really um, a great supporter for me and really believed that I could do it. And I think that was really key that I had someone there who was rooting for me. So the conversations that we had was that we're going to make it work. And she was really flexible and I was always very communicative and very, I tried my best to be really organized so that it didn't show too much impact in my work and where there were busy times or uh, there were a few tears along the way, just being real about it. She was really there to encourage and support. And I was just really determined. I, I don't, I didn't come from an academic family. So this was a huge opportunity. And I thought I must do everything I can to seize it. And so a bit of determination and a bit of grit, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. buckling down and doing it, I think really, um, I think really sums it up. But I love what I do. So that made it a lot easier as well. That makes it a lot easier, of course. Did you have any uh, um, strategies or, you know, things you did, I don't know, yoga, something to kind of help you know, vent any pressure or any yeah. <laughs> any yeah, any of the pressure of of leaving those those two lives at the same time. Uh, crying was one, so that would happen now and again. It's a natural we'll, one, yeah. We'll do. I think one of the key things was just taking care of yourself. Now, um, your student, you're on a budget for these things, but trying to eat well, I found just cycling a lot uh it was just part of my commute because it was faster than the bus to get to my job yeah. <laughs> after my phd class um and got really fit doing that and i think that really helped just give you some headspace and i i really believe that you make the most of the time you have so i i think being under time pressure you would use it more efficiently and there was there's a whole ton of tools and techniques over on my website that tell you how i navigate having a lot on 
um, to do that. So lots of productivity tools. And one of the things I found was just um, really having focused time and saying, okay, I'm not going to solve this whole task of my thesis in one day, really being focused on what's the next thing that I need to do? What's the next sentence I need to write? What's the next bit of analysis? And really not worrying about the rest of it and just taking those tiny steps to build up to that eventual completion. Yeah, no, that, that sounds it sounds uh, really interesting. And, and uh, actually, uh, the, my next question was going to be diving a little bit more into how you help people and how you help early career academics. And we, I think we're getting into that subject uh, naturally. Uh, and actually, something you mentioned. So in your master's, you talked about the fact that you studied uh, cognitive dissonance. And it's something you hear about a lot. Uh, yeah. but, but in conversations with graduate students, uh, I, I can see an aspect where there, there can be, uh, people can feel uh, cognitive dissonance, which is you should, uh, people like me telling them you should prepare for your career after the PhD. Yeah. Maybe the university offering some, so, some workshops, some things also mm-hmm. to, to, with the same, uh, in the same objective. And then their peers or the system or their, their supervisor kind of press, pressuring them to give, give all their attention and time to their project. Do you have any comment on that? I think from, it's all about managing expectations. So you've got to be, I think it's really good to be upfront from the start. And you really, when you're at the point of selecting a supervisor, it's really finding someone that you can connect with a little bit as well. Now, we're all under pressure to deliver because we're the student and they come from going through this experience themselves. But I think the key thing is being organized, being proactive when you know things are coming and it's getting too much or peak peak seasons for you. I think it's really important to your the balls in your court to manage that. If you if you don't manage it proactively, then, yeah, it's going to become a, a big problem and you're not going to reflect your best self as a, a postgrad as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you talk about being an advocate and mentor for early career academics. And what you're yeah. saying makes me think that you also need to, and it's not natural and easy for everyone, but mm-hmm. to be able to self-advocate a little bit, to be able to find that space and to and to kind of put your put your foot down, but you know, not in an not in an uh, oppositional way, but just in in putting it out there that look, I am a whole person. I need to take care of you know holistically of my present and my future. So yeah. taking care of this aspect of my career readiness is mm-hmm. something that that I care about every day, and that I need mm-hmm. to have a little space every day to work on. Mm-hmm. What would be like good strategies to start that conversation and to to um, without negativity mm-hmm. open that conversation and start building that space and I, of course I'm thinking of, of talking with the supervisor because that's the person who's expecting a lot from you um, how, do you have any uh, any advice on on easy or safe ways to to spark the conversation so do you mean in terms of kind of thinking about your where you're headed with your educational kind of career and thinking beyond that. And and saying I need during my week or during my Mm -hmm. month, I need to dedicate some time to this that I won't be looking at my microscope, that I won't be looking at my computer, but I Mm -hmm. will be networking. I will be 
yeah. uh, uh, doing a, my like my job scrapbook, whatever. But I'll be thinking actively and and intently about what's going to happen in three years from now when I finish my PhD. Absolutely. So I think the key thing here, you've got to be really strategic. And I think this is the one thing I learned, probably because I'm a marketer. So I'm used to doing this for businesses. And then I thought, actually, hold on a minute, I can do this for academics too. Mm -hmm. So when you finish your PhD, I think you've got to go through that process to then reflect on it. And you think about, well, what have I come away with? So you've got that that approval, that validation mm. that yes, you're, from your research point of view, you were spot on, but you've got to think, so what, what have you got to take forward? So you've got the knowledge, but you, what I would say to any postgraduate is that you need to start managing your personal brand for your career from the start. From day one of the PhD, you need to be building your network. And I would say spending at least 20 minutes a week just looking at your personal brand. So how are you projecting externally to interest groups, discipline groups, uh, organizations that you're part of, mm -hmm. all of these things, because you're projecting what your future self is going to look like. So what, what would a professor do? They've got a really good brand. They communicate clearly what it is that they're specialists in. Mm -hmm. They're well-connected. And these are all really simple things that over time, if you do a PhD over three years or four years, imagine the, the network and connections you've got by the end of that. Of course. And how yeah. compelling that can be when you're actually going out into the job market and needing to start collaborating even more mm. with those papers going forward. So I'd say 20 minutes on your personal brands and the I mean, if it's helpful to any of your listeners, David, we've we've got our personal brands. A quick start guide. If it's helpful, you can download that on PDF and that gives you mm -hmm. a few pointers to use. But I would just say carve out the time. Don't spend all of it just writing and doing the PhD itself. You want to spend some time managing your academic career or what, whatever your career looks like for the mm -hmm. future. That's your insurance policy. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100% with you. But uh, I must say that Talking with people who are, you know, young researchers, maybe during their PhD, yeah. maybe in their postdocs, a few of them might say, "Look, I, I stayed in research because I didn't want to be selling anything." And now you're telling me you're using this brand word, personal branding. Uh, so next thing you're gonna say, I, you're gonna say, I need to sell myself, to sell my profile, to sell my my brand, and. Um, I wonder whether there's other terminology or whether there's maybe there's a yeah another another uh, way to put it to make people feel less uh, to you know to, to make them balk at it less and and yeah, yeah. take it in a little bit more. Yeah, definitely, and I think it depends on which lens that you're coming from and. I think the key thing is your personal brand. So it is a marketing term, branding. I think the thing is, it's it's giving you a voice and feeling that you have some sense of control over your academic future, your career. Mm -hmm. And I think whether it's having a website or your LinkedIn profile, you get to own that and you get to curate what it is about you, your personality, your ideas, your thinking, your intellect you have a voice to communicate that. And I think 
people shy away from that sometimes and Mm -hmm. you've got to do what suits your comfort level but I think particularly in in the academic space everything we do is subject to review to criticism um, and positive criticism to help you improve and develop Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is something where you've, you've got your own space to say what you want and to showcase what you you're passionate about and I, I found even as a simple example, I had ideas for research papers that I wasn't quite ready to write during my PhD because I mm-hmm. wanted to get them done. But I thought, actually, I'm going to post some of those ideas on my web page, just my okay. website, because I can test out my thoughts, see if it connects with anyone. Maybe I'll make some connections there as well. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, the amount of people I've, I've met who are wanted to talk about research and I was learning more about them it's opened Mm -hmm. up new networks so I think from that point of view it's the one thing that you can own and that's yours to keep Mm -hmm. I I, I agree I agree and I think it's it's a really great point and and uh, one thing that I that I want to ask you and it's it's connected with that because clearly you're working with people uh, who who are within academia you're talking about their research you're talking about the research that you did and some cognitive dissonance that I felt, uh, actually, in one of the first times that I went and spoke in front of a, a fresh cohort of PhD students was they weren't ready to hear about other careers uh, that, are, that, are, that were not, that was not research. It had just got into the program. Why are you talking to me about other things that might happen? But from what I'm hearing, this, uh, you, you already said good professors or or professors that are uh, that are successful often have a very good personal brand so what i'm hearing is this concept is not only if you for if you want to go into industry or into the private sector it also works and is useful within academia absolutely and i think that's the way thinking about the trends and where things are going i think that's a little bit where academia is going just in being more open and i think we've got more platforms like online for example we've got those platforms to have voices and to say what we are and what we're about and I think it's an opportunity for you really to showcase what you're working on what you're doing and you can pick and choose which bits resonate with you you don't need to go and have tons of social media you don't need to have a website it's just thinking about well what things do you want to share that connect with your community and whatever community that might be whether it's fellow PhD students or maybe some connections within your discipline and I think it's a contributor because I think it opens up more opportunities for you and you don't have to take any of the opportunities that come but it might just make some connections that could open doors for you to get you closer to what whatever you want from your career and that's personal to that's different for everyone and and at any stage yeah Yeah. and and different you know different people uh, have for people are some people are good at writing some people uh you know will be will straight away start you know maybe filming themselves and doing short videos there. and and uh but also you can you can just be part of a community where you interact and and uh, react to posts that are, I'm thinking of LinkedIn which is where I I kind of experience yeah. this more uh, where you can just be, be part of that that interests you and then sometimes respond if it's something that that resonates with you but just being part of something like that can already be a first step right 
Yeah, and I would say to anyone, if you've got a Twitter account and you use it, you're already using your personal brand. One thing I found, particularly for any part-time PhD students, I found Twitter really helpful because I was posting about my own experiences being part-time and all the different milestones along the PhD. And I found a community of people who are out there doing the exact same thing. And we would have writing sessions on Twitter and the amount of encouragement that gave me to really push through those stages when you do feel like you're swimming in <laughs> cement. Um, it was really valuable. And I, it, I think that was one of the triggers that spurred me on to think, okay, so maybe I can pass this on to people that are maybe just starting out in their journey and I've come out the other side of the PhD. And I, I felt because of my scholarship, I thought, I want to pay some of that forward because someone helped me and I wouldn't I want to see if I can do something to help those that come after after me as well. Because I, I love my discipline and I, I want to open it up to other people like me who don't come from an academic background but who would take that chance and see what, what how it could change their future. I wouldn't be here today on this podcast if if that moment didn't happen. So no, no, yeah. and uh, actually, this is this is also the reason why I'm I've, I started the podcast was kind of to, to give back and to, to to like warn people about pitfalls that I that I encountered, and also exactly. and, and also allow them to meet people like you who have had other journeys and who have other insights on on how to how to how to deal and how to navigate. Uh, but about navigating, David's on a a pause. So just for those that are listening, I, I would really recommend looking through some of David's past episodes. I think for me, it's a really great opportunity to um, just learn about different stories and paths within the PhD and beyond in academics from different walks of life. And I would say around that, I think your your PhD journey is yours and whatever route that takes and whatever obstacles you face there you're to uh, definitely own them and that that's what that creates your great biography at the end of it those those milestones and those challenges and I think certainly there were so many high points in the PhD those successes when you finished a chapter or defended something successfully or got a breakthrough in your analysis but there was lots of opportunity there to um, really develop and learn and some of those harder times where the things now that I see was that, that are actually the most valuable. I think it's given me some more stamina. So you'll see David's, the rest of David's uh, podcast. So make sure you, you check it out because there's definitely some really, really good episodes. And it was one of the things that made me want to hop on here to say, hey, you've got some fashion academics, PhDs coming through. Um, yeah. But if you have any questions, do do give me a shout or hit me up on Twitter or um, reach out to David as well. The other thing I'd say is, whilst we wait in David coming back, if you're interested in your personal brands, even if you're not from a business subject, uh, I would really encourage you to hop over to my website. So it's www.drsamlynch.co.uk if you sign up there you can download a free pdf guide to leveraging your personal brand in academia and i just give you some top tips that are really actionable now 
that you can use to kind of craft your personal profile, your personal brand. So there's a few different tips, I think, around personal brands. So be, I would really recommend that you carve out a little bit of time in your working day to just think about your career, where you're headed, mm -hmm. what you want to achieve. Even that's personal brand activity. The other thing that I would say is start working smart. So don't be a perfectionist at everything. Try and be, and I learned this through experience. We're all perfectionists if we're doing PhDs. You, yep. need, you need to think about which things do I need to be a perfectionist at and which things is it okay to go 90% because then you've got extra energy when you really need it. So for the analysis or for that really fundamental stage where you're deep diving into your research, where you need that extra energy and brain power, then you've got that to use. And there's so many uh, through my workshops, there's so many people I've spoken to who have just experienced burnout um, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we put so much pressure on, on ourselves to excel and we're naturally orientated towards that because of the PhD. But I really think it's being a bit kinder to yourself and really thinking about if the day's not going well with the PhD, just think, what's one thing that you can do? Just one. Don't worry about the rest. Start off with the small things. And I there's lots of tools like Trello and Pomodoro techniques and um, Monday.com. I'm a real advocate for some of those platforms. Um, I don't get paid by them or anything, but I use them because when I was under so much time pressure during the PhD in balancing work, I needed things like that to do some of the organizing for me because it just helped me empty out my brain at the end of the day. And I felt I had a really good place to pick up. So explore apps i love evernote i'm absolutely obsessed with it um it's great we have a notions great just great look at tools that can kind of speed up things that you want to do better and try and find things that that are bringing value to you don't go and add a whole host of apps that don't do anything they're there to save you time not to make take up more time uh, so i did go through a bullet journaling phase but that is long gone because i it's not fast enough for me anymore but yeah like take the time to explore those things because if you spend 15 minutes exploring and finding something that works for you that could save you seven hours down the line so mm -hmm. it makes do the do the math there um for sure the other aspect that I, I, I'd like maybe to have your opinion on is because I, I think it's important too is human the human aspect. You have peers, you have people who are maybe not working in your department or in your subject, but who are at your stage. Uh -huh. You know, having a, a, a writing group for writing articles or writing your thesis. You know, having uh, uh, having uh, accountability partners for this or that part of. I it's it people do it a lot in writing their thesis because there's like a time pressure to to write it yeah. and the, the fact of having someone that that you're an account, accountability partner with well it helps both of you have, have milestones and respect them but I think um I think having this aspect of finding moments and uh, and things where you're collaborating with someone else and or just or just sitting with someone doing the same thing could be a great motivator absolutely and and even if you're i mean there's lots of tools if you are remote at home and it is just you sitting at your desk 
there are videos on YouTube that I used to follow of, I think it was, uh, uh, she's called the Strive to Fit. She's a doctor in the US and she was studying for exams. You can study with her. It just gave you a bit of company going through that process together. And the other thing I would say is particularly, oh, we've got the sirens today as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's good, folks. Um, it's perfect. Keep, keep your blinkers on sometimes as well, because I think PhD offices and rooms or groups can be a real hotbed of competitiveness. Even if you don't want to be competitive, you've got that instinct in you. So I think sometimes you really have to step away and kind of put your blinkers on and, and just focus on your path and your journey through the PhD. Because particularly if you're a, a part-time PhD, a lot of your full-time friends will graduate before you. And it's really hard when you are the last PhD in the office. You're the last one standing because all of your friends have graduated. So you, you just need to kind of have that belief and that determination and just keep going and saying, yeah, I'm, and be happy for those around you. Wish them well and support them because they're rooting for you as well. And in the, and even my friends from my PhD days are still my closest academic friends now that I reach out to time and time again. So that, that bond's really strong because That's we true. saw each other at our toughest points. Of course. In the Same academic thing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like brothers and sisters for life, man. Um, but yeah, keep that, that keep the blinkers on and focus. If you do start to worry about, am I am I keeping up with everyone? Am I achieving at the same rate? Things will come in good time. You just have to keep going, and you need to have some self belief that you can do it. I always, um, when I did my PhD, when the days were uh, when I was I was on my own and my friends had graduated, I, I kept envisioning or visualizing what it'd be like to graduate and feeling mm-hmm. what how am I going to feel that day and just standing there and having this really proud moment. And I remember the day I graduated, I, I had tears running down my eyes because I thought I just thought this day would never come because I was it took me six years because I was doing some of it part time and I just thought, oh man, it's like did it. And uh, it gives you a lot of self-belief to achieve other things afterwards as well, because you you knew you could stick it out and just get it done. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Sam, I think we're getting to the to the end of the interview, and um, I believe you've shared some of what what you offer with uh, with. Um... So, Work Smarter is my academic brand. Work Smarter, yeah. You can hop onto my website, and you can learn much more about it. So my question at this time, do you have any events coming up or um, or programs that people might might be interested in uh, in uh, in checking out? Yeah, actually, so in the new year, I've got a couple of Zoom workshops because a lot of us are still at home and we're trying to navigate COVID. So I'll be announcing some of those in January. So you can hop on Zoom for an evening or whatever time zone you're in and We'll talk through things like personal branding or productivity. So there'll be dedicated sessions. And I'm also featured at universities in the UK. So I've got some dates booked in to uh, some universities bring me in to talk to their PhD community and early career researchers. So if it is something of interest, uh, reach out. If you've got a PhD group, we do small groups of just four or five up to individual coaching and, and big big workshops and big um, speaking sessions for uh, cohorts of 100 plus. So there's lots of different things. And again, there's I've got 
lots of free content on the site so you so if you want to access something and you're you've got um bills to pay and things reach out check out the website there's lots of little tips and snippets from those sessions that are on there for you as well and say hi on twitter if you've got a question i'm always scanning through see if i can help then please reach out um definitely so uh, i'm going to share the so the website again is www.drsamlynch.co.uk what's your twitter handle at dr so dr sam lynch perfect um sam just to finish if someone is just listened to the to our conversation and there's a bit you know, frazzled and has too much and thinks thinks like I can't work on my personal brand and do my PhD. It's I have too much. But now they heard you and they they're maybe getting Trello or something like that to to download some part of of all that uh, that uh, storm of information. You know, on paper or on or on an app or or, or whatever. Uh, what would be one first small step towards? Um, towards starting this journey of building your your brand that you would suggest something that's not very uh, you know that 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 you know not a very steep learning curve not too much investment just a small thing that they can do uh, a few times a, a week and then to to start the ball rolling okay so my number one tip above anything is just to start gently thinking what do you want out of your career? At this stage, that's open to change. Those goals will evolve as you progress and develop. But have a couple of North Stars in terms of where am I heading? What, what is it? What really gives me fulfillment? Envision what you're, if you could have any career and the perfect career that you dream of, what would it look like? And start to think, well, what am I aiming for? At a practical level, so day to day, the key thing is really to start building those little compartments of different aspects of your, your life. So your PhD life, your personal brand life, your career life. I've got a, a free Trello board template that's just for productivity. And that's got some questions on there. Have a look at that. You can cut and paste it over to your own board. And it's really just carving out a little bit of time at the start of the day thinking, what can I do? today that's just for me so the first task that you do before you dive into your PhD work is thinking I want to just do spend 10 minutes doing something for me for the bigger picture whether it's thinking about my goals or thinking about taking that first step even sorting out your LinkedIn profile that's mm -hmm. great because that will bring you value at some point and just seeing what response you get from that what what opportunities come your way And you'll start to see over a period of time, these things will come to fruition and you start to kind of develop a better understanding, knowing, understanding of, of what you are and what you're about and what you're seeking as well. And I think that's a great point for reflection is to come away and think about what, what do you want and how can your day-to-day -day actions just edge you a little bit closer towards that or just give you some pause for thought. Um, so I leave, I leave everyone with that question today, really. That's perfect. That's really, really, really good advice. And it's a, you know, it's a non-threatening, non, you know, not too much investment, just, just reflecting. It's a, it's a great, good one. Uh, Sam, uh, 
Thank you for having uh, reached out to me. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a real, real pleasure. And uh, and I'm really, really glad that, again, we have this medium where I can spend an Amazing. hour, even though interrupted by internet, <laughs> with someone uh, uh, such as you uh, across the pond. It's, it's been really, really great. Thanks so much, Stephen. It's, it's so nice to meet the person behind the podcast that I've been listening to. So so you've got, you've got one viewer who's very happy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas, and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests. Music